Thank you for tuning in to our North Point Community Church podcast. Wherever you are in your faith journey, we pray that as you listen to this message, you will be encouraged and empowered. If you would like more information about our community, visit our website at ncc.team. Praise Him. How many of you know that's why we come to church? To feast and fellowship. That's what the Lord said. Amen. Well, hey, everybody. How you guys doing tonight? Everybody good? Everybody doing good? Okay, these people right here doing good. I'm glad y'all had a good day. Um, rub that on some people around you. Yeah, just touch everybody. Y'all touch some people, and it'll just pass on by the time we get to the end of the day. These people over here will be having a good day, too. It'll be exciting. Um, well, I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you guys tonight. I'm going to be honest. This is not a Sermon on the Mount message. I'm just going to be real with you. Uh, we don't have two points in a prayer. Uh, it's not going to happen. Uh, we're probably not going to be weeping at the altars by the end of the night. Just going to prepare you, so I don't want you to be disappointed. Um, but tonight we're going to talk about some practical life application. You know, this is the year of what? Expansion. <laughs> you, all right. It can be whatever year you want it to be. It starts with an E, it counts. That's all, amen? Whatever you need. Whatever you need, that's what this year is, amen? My guy's big enough. He can handle two priorities, right? He don't need just one. But this is the year of expansion. We're talking about expansion. And so tonight, I want to take uh, a minute and just kind of bring uh, a message, a word, if you will, some things that God's been putting on my heart even recently as it involves to expansion. In fact, in Isaiah 54, there's a passage of Scripture that I absolutely love. I, I preached this passage of Scripture several years ago at 3 and 8 Live, and ever since I preached it, I've just kind of held on to it, and, and, and every now and then I just kind of go back to it. I just want to share it with you tonight. Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3 says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Right? That's, I mean, it's just, it's, we ain't even got into three yet, and two's that good. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. How many of you, that sounds exciting. That sounds like something you want to be a part of right there. Expanding your tent, right? Just reaching out. This passage of Scripture brings me such hope. The idea of letting my tent out. Jabez said it this way. Increase my territory. How many of you remember the little prayer of Jabez's book? Come on, can we just take it back? Everybody had three, right? Because you had one, and then you gave one, and then you couldn't find nothing to do with the other one because everybody already had one. And so prayer of Jabez's book, the smallest book in the world, but so many people read it. Increase my territory. We all want more territory, but I, I often find myself questioning my motivation behind that. Right? And when I hear those passages say, hey, listen, let out your tent, let out your stakes, take a little more land, take a little more space, take a little more territory, I often question my motivation. What will I do with all of this newfound space? But, but the reality is, as I, as I sat down and I, and I kind of meditated over that and kind of contemplated the answer to that, I realized that my answer is probably similar to most of the answers in this room. And if it's not the men's, I promise it's the ladies. What do we do when we get more space? We fill it up. We fill it up. That's exactly what we do with it. And we fill it up fast. Somebody say amen. 
We start looking for ways to decorate. We start looking. We start picking stuff out even before we get it. I, 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 I dabble in real estate. We, I, I play around in real estate a little bit, which basically means I'm a real estate agent who could not live being a real estate agent. That's what dabbling in real estate means. But it's amazing to me. I will show somebody a house, and, and before we even walk out of the house, they've already picked out, like, the wall colors, the curtain patterns, the bedspreads. I'm like, you don't own it. Like, you know, you kind of getting ahead of yourself. We might need to back up, get you pre-qualified. Can you even buy this? Like, you getting a little carried away. I know some of you hit them open houses like it's a picnic at the park, right? You ain't trying to buy. You just trying to look, right? Like, you shopping at Sam's. Like, no, I just came to see how they did the kitchen. Man, this ain't a kitchen house, open house. It's like, oh, we're trying to sell this house, right? We, you just in here just looking around. We love space. If, I don't know if you know it, but we love space. And so when the Lord says, increase your space, when Pastor Philip says, this is the year of expansion, we get excited. Like, give me more space because I want more stuff. You know what I'm saying? Come on, men. E -e -e even, even Noah had a boat. Come on. You know somebody? Peter had a boat. You know, give me a little more space, God. Put a boat in it. You know I mean? Just, just increase my territory. We fill it up. Oftentimes, we think expansion, uh, our minds immediately begin contemplating thoughts of increase. How, how will I expand? How, or in other words, how will I expand my, or increase my time? How can I increase my influence? How can I increase my income? More often than not, our answers involve elements that require additional effort. That's the reality. As the space increases, the effort increases. I, women, you don't know this, but we do because we're the ones that have to move the stuff in. Come on, guys. Right? She's like, you know, this has been a good table, but I think we should get a bigger table. Baby, that table's heavy. And so, and so right, men, we get the chainsaw, and we make it not so heavy. And we move it out, and we bring the new one in because we're good husbands, and that's what we do. But you know what? The reality is the idea of additional effort can be discouraging, especially in those seasons when we feel overwhelmed already. Sometimes it's difficult to want to fill that space. How do I squeeze more minutes out of an already packed day? I mean, I need to answer that question. I, I, I hadn't figured it out yet. So we decided maybe if we just get up a little bit earlier. Amen? And I need a few more minutes in my day. So here's, here's what I'm going to do, right? And, and we do this oftentimes with the Lord because, can I be honest, oftentimes the Lord is the last thing we place in the day. I'm just, can I just be transparent for a minute? I know I'm not the only one. I know the rest of y'all going to heaven, going to get a you know, golden mansion and all that. I'm probably going to get a wood shack. But that's okay. I'm going to get there just the same. I'm not mad about it, right? I'll come over and visit at your place, and you can clean all that room, and I'll go back to my shack. It won't take me long, all right? I'm not upset about it. But oftentimes, right, when we're trying to look at that expansion, that increase, we're, we're already trying to figure out, how do I get the Lord into my day? I just need a few more minutes to spend time with the Lord. So what do we tell ourselves? I'll just, you know what I'm going to do, baby? Right, we'll even tell our spouse, baby, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start getting up 30 minutes early, spend time with the Lord. But our spouse knows us. They know that's a lie straight from the devil. Right? But they cover us with grace, and they go, baby, I'm going to pray for you, but not 30 minutes earlier. I'm going to pray for you when I wake up, right? Because we're not going to wake up earlier. Or we say, I'm going to stay up 30 minutes later so that I can get some more stuff done. Besides, sleep is really more of a nicety than a necessity. And we can sleep when we're dead, right? Wrong. I ain't trying to sleep when I'm dead. I'm going to be resurrected, right? Next time somebody tells you that you sleep when you're dead, I'm going to be like, I'm going to be resurrected. I'm going to be busy. Okay, I got kingdom work. I'm going to be busy. I need sleep now. 
Lord got me doing things when I get there. How do I become more influential? How do I increase in my career? How do I increase in my community? How do I become more influential in my family? Maybe I could create and attend more meetings because we all know that more meetings prove to produce more results. At least that's what we've been told. That if we're not getting enough done, maybe we should meet more about it. How do I increase my income? Maybe I could take on a second or third job. We tell ourselves more work means more money and more money means more enjoyment. And so we work to expand. And while all these things can seem practical and at times may be necessary, the truth is expansion doesn't always have to come through addition. It doesn't always have to come through addition. In fact, most times addition should be the last way we expand. See, we, we ought to begin with subtraction. The reality is more often than not, more can come from less. But it's hard for a generation of Americans like us to comprehend the idea of having more by subtracting more. When we think of expansion, we often visualize bigger houses, bigger closets, more space for our shoes, more space for the dresses to go with those shoes, bigger garages to hold bigger cars. In fact, according to Wikipedia, I think this is interesting, the self-storage industry is primarily a United States-based industry. Yeah, you, 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 go to, you go to Asian countries, they're not storing stuff. You go, you go to India, they're not going, oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to put it. Bring it over here. We're going to keep it in here. Well, what is this? Oh, this is a storage space. Well, what are we going to do? We're going to put it in here. We're going to close the door. We're going to lock it so nobody can get it. Okay, well, well then what? Well, we're just going we're gonna, to we're gonna pay these people every month to keep it for us. Well, what are they going to do with it? Well, they're not going to do anything with it. They're just going to keep it for us in there. Well, when are we going to come see it again? I don't know, but at least we know where it is when we come see it. <laughs> Check this out. Self-storage units are going up so fast that in 2016, there were more than 58,000 self-storage facilities in the U.S. with a total of 32 million storage units covering over 2.3 billion square feet of storage space. The total square miles of storage facility in the U.S. today is almost three times the size of Manhattan. Now, can I say something to you? I own storage buildings, so keep your stuff in them. I, I, I got a little nervous when I was writing the message because I was like, dang, I own some storage buildings. I probably don't want to preach this right here. Everybody going to go get their stuff out, right? But there's a reason that I own storage buildings. In fact, I manage some storage buildings that I don't own here in the city, and, and I go up there probably once a week and make sure everything's going okay and check on the office and check on the people. And it's amazing to me that of all those storage spaces that we have, probably out of 300 storage spaces, only 15 to 20% of the people who have those actually visit those on a monthly basis. That means the majority of the people are happy to take all the excess stuff and put it in there. Am I talking about you right now? Am I, am I talking about you? Come on, girl. Come on. Put it in there. Send me a check every month for me to keep their stuff. And if you don't pay me for your stuff, I'm going to auction your stuff off to somebody else who's going to pay me to keep it in there. Because we love to expand. We so expanded, we got stuff in places we don't even know or remember. Just to show you the difference in the rest of the world, look at your neighbor and say, world. There are only about 12,000 storage buildings. 
in the rest of the world, people. 58,000 in the United States alone in 2016. This is 2018. That means we got at least 64, 65,000 of them now. And we're still building them. And we're building them bigger. Why? Because Americans love expansion. But we don't understand that sometimes the expansion in our life actually brings decrease rather than increase. And that before we expand by obtaining more, maybe we need to look at things that we can let go of in our life. Expansion isn't always related to physical possessions of a person, but it certainly has a major factor. It's, it's amazing to me how, how we hold on to things and we give them value thinking this is adding to my life when reality is it's actually taking away. It's actually taking something from us rather than giving something back to us. We put values on things. I was talking with a friend of mine today, another pastor, as I was preparing the message, and, and I said, it's funny, when we actually go into the buildings and look at the things that are left in those things and that people are paying us for, by the time we add on top of the, the dollar value of what they're worth, the money they've paid us, these things are worth so much money now that people can't get rid of them. They say, well, I can't get rid of it. I've been paying this guy $150 a month to keep it. Well, what is it? Well, it's a box with some clothes in it. I mean, its street value is about $33. But in my pocketbook value, it's about $5,218. I can't let it go. And I don't have any room to put it in my house. That's just the reality. The, the truth is, though, is sometimes we can actually increase in our life by just subtracting things from our life. You know, I, I think about finances. You know, when I talk to young people, finances is one of the top things we talk about. In fact, in relationships as a whole, finances is one of the key factors to the reason people get into fights and disagreements and end up in divorces over finances. And, and so I talk to young people a lot about finances, and we discuss finances, and, and, and they always say the same thing, right? When we sit down, I say, well, what's the problem, right? We sit down, okay, tell me what's going on. I just need more money. Right? Amen? Some of us can just go, yep, that's me too. I just need more money. Young person, old person, all person. I just need more money. But you know what I find more often than not is not that they need more money. They need to spend less of the money that they have. See, see, see the, the first step to establishing wealth is not making more money. It's spending less money. In fact, Addition by subtraction works in finances over and over and over again. If you can spend less money, you will have more money. And if you don't learn that principle, making more money doesn't give you more money. It just means you spend more money. So until you establish this first principle that says, listen, I need to learn how to spend less money. Some of you say, Brendan, I can't spend any less money than I'm spending right now. Listen, I would challenge you to get out your bank statement and sit down and read that joker. I sat down the other day with my wife and said, baby, let's just go over the bank statement, the credit card statement. Let's just take a look at it. I just feel like there might be some things in here that maybe we could work on a little bit. You know, maybe we ought to get a budget together. Maybe we ought to make a plan because maybe that's a good idea. Let's just talk about it. We began to look at it. I realized I was paying for three Netflix accounts. I said, babe, why, why am I paying for three Netflix accounts? She said, well, you got one, I got one, Eli got one. I said, but we can all use one. Well, I, we don't need three. Like, you can use mine. I won't be mad. Like, we can log four or five folks on. 
You know, at the same time, just because I'm on it doesn't mean you can't be on it. Just because you're on it doesn't mean Eli can't be on it. We, we don't either. You know what? Let's cancel one. Let's cancel one. Or let's cancel two. Well, well how much will that save us? Well, it save us $15 a month. Well, that doesn't sound like a whole lot. Well, until we add it up. $15 a month times 10 months is $150. Times 12 months $180. I don't know if I'm doing my math right, but check it later. $180 a year, that's some shoes. She said, you know what, cancel two of those. <laughs> cancel two of those right now. Cancel two of those. You said that's about $180. Okay, cancel two. Because I'm about to expand. I'm about to do a new thing in here. It's difficult when we, when we find that space, our tendency is to immediately feel that space. But you got to understand, when the Lord was saying through the prophet, hey, listen, let out your tent, let out your lines, let out your stakes. He wasn't saying let them out so that you can fill them up. He was saying let them out so that I can fill them up because I'm about to do something that's going to be miraculous in your life. I'm about to take you from one level of glory to another level of glory, but I need some room to operate. Can I just tell you, some of us need to let out our tent, but then we need to give God some time to work in the space before we get quick about telling God how it should look. So when we do find some space in the finances before we get a plan for it, right, before we get an idea for something comes to our mind, we say, God, we got a little space here. Is it something you'd like to do with it first? God, God, is, is there something that you want to use this for? Because, God, I, I believe that you could take it and bless it and multiply it. And it may look like $15 a month to me, but, God, I know it's a change in somebody's life for you. So I'm going to just wait for just a second before I get all excited about the little space I found, and I'm going to let you speak to me. See, we've we, we got we to gotta expand, but we've got to understand that in that expansion, it, it, there's going to require some subtraction. There, there are things in our life, things in our finances where maybe we need to subtract some things. And we find out that we actually have more than we thought we had. That God's all actually done more in our life than we thought he's done. Sometimes it's not that God hasn't done something. It's that we've, we've so mismanaged what he's done that we don't realize he's done it. I'm not, I'm not saying that's always the answer. Sometimes you do have to get the, the second job. Sometimes that is the requirement. Sometimes you've got to take the next step. But listen, why take that step if you haven't taken this step? Why start with the work if you could just start with just giving up something that you don't need? So we look at ways to expand our income. We look at ways to expand our time. Time management is one of the biggest problems probably for most people today. But the truth is, is we have more time than we think we do. Because everybody gets the same number of hours in a day. Have you ever noticed how some people seem to be able to take a day and do like all kinds of stuff with it? And we take a day and get like almost nothing done with it. Right? Well, they got the same amount of hours we had. They had the same amount of time we had. How did they, how did they get so much done? And we didn't. Well, probably because they had a plan. Probably because they were managing their time. Their time wasn't managing them. My wife is quick to tell me all the time, I'm a great planner. 
when it comes to events and activities. I can, you want to throw a party? I plan you a party. Listen, people will be talking about it from 10 years from now. I will plan you a party. It will blow folks' mind. It will be on point 100%. Nothing will be missed. It will be amazing. You want me to plan my life? I'm spontaneous. I'm spontaneous. My wife said, what's your day? My wife asked me this every morning. What, what's your day look like today? Good. <laughs> it looks good. Well, what, my wife's not one. My wife's an investigator. I don't know if y'all have taken the test, but she's an investigator. She want to know what good means. Like, like good like you're going to go lay out and get a tan or good like you're going to get something done. Like we define good. What, what are you going to do today? I say, baby. Stuff. Stuff. It, a lot of stuff. I got so much stuff. She's like, what stuff? I said, well, I, baby, just stuff. She's like, well, do you have a list? No. Because if I have a list, I can't be spontaneous. What if something comes up? Then I got to break the list. I let myself down. I let the list down. I let you down. I don't want to let nobody down. So today I'm just going to do stuff. And some of y'all cheering too hard and clapping too hard right now because I'm telling you, I'm in sin, and you just jumping right in with me. You're just like, you're just like yeah, 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 we're, 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 no, help me, help me. Don't encourage me, help me. My wife says, you need a plan, time management, you need, you need to learn. Bruce Lee, if you're going to take advice from somebody, take it from Bruce Lee. When was the last time you heard a Bruce Lee quote? I'm going to hear one tonight. Bruce Lee said, it's not the daily increase, but the daily decrease. He said, hack away at the unessential. Only Bruce Lee could say it like that. It's not the daily increase, but the daily decrease. Hack away at the unessential. Don't think that being busy means that you're being productive. The two are not mutually inclusive. Instead, you'd have to shift your focus from the activities you're doing to the results you're getting being busy isn't the same as being effective. You must master your time so that you can master your life. In fact, in 1954, President Dwight Eisenhower gave a speech, and in that speech, he said these words. He said, I have two kinds of problems in life. I have the urgent and I have the important. The urgent are not important, and the important are never urgent. This was my man's philosophy on managing time. In fact, it became such a hit, folks began to break this down and they put it into quadrants. I don't know how many of you appreciate quadrant teaching, but they put quadrants together. Have you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki? He got the, the quadrants of, of, of the poor and the rich and, and the investor. And, and so they, they created this quadrant for him and it, and it breaks up into four parts. And these four parts are this. The first part is, it's important. It's important. It, it's It's urgent. Uh, it's a do it right now. Urgent and important. You got to do it right now. You got to manage it. This is the point where you yourself are caught on fire and you need to put it out immediately, right? It's urgent. It can't wait. You got to take care of it right now. There are things that are going to be in your life that are going to be urgent. Listen, you do not want to not pay attention to the urgent things. You, you, you don't want to just let the urgent things just be like, well, you know, I get to it. No, you get to the urgent right now. If your roof starts leaking, let me just say something. If your roof starts leaking, that's an urgent problem. You don't want to wait on that. You don't want to say, well, I'm going to get through the rainy season and then I'll replace it. No, 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 no. Now you've ruined the sheetrock. Now you've ruined the rafters. Now you got dry rot. Now we're breaking down half your house to put it back together again. Because when it started leaking, that was urgent. You should have done something about it. The same is true in your life. Listen, there are things in your life, they're urgent. 
There are crises that may be happening in your life, and they're urgent, and they require your attention. Maybe you got a child right now, and listen, they seem to spend more time in detention than they spend in class. Urgent. Yeah, that's not one of the things you can say, well, we're going to talk about it, you know, next week. No, you're going to talk about it now because it's urgent. Listen, man, your wife may be telling you like my wife's telling me, baby, I need a vacation, just me, just me and you. Me and you. Well, baby, you want to, I mean, we could, we could load up, we could take Eli. No, me and you. Well, baby, when you want to go, now. That's urgent. You don't put that off. You don't say, well, I'll get to it. You don't say, well, let me think about it. Let me pray about it. Can I just say this? Sometimes, man, church, we want to pray about everything. Some things you don't need to pray about. Put the fire out. Just put the fire out. Don't go to God and go, God, there's a fire over here. You better get involved. We're about to burn this house down. Put the fire out. There are things in your life. Listen, some of you are dealing with some things in your life. It's urgent. There are warning signs going. But you know what? Sometimes we don't want to just deal with it because we don't just want to deal with it. We just rather ignore it and hope that it goes away. Can I just say this to you? What you don't confront will eventually confront you. It's urgent. Deal with it. The second quadrant is the management quadrant. It's, uh, I'm sorry, it's the focus quadrant. It's important, but it's not urgent. It's important, but it's not urgent. It's, it, it's something that you focus on. These are the activities that contribute to the goals that you want to achieve in life. This is where you want to spend the majority of your time improving yourself, strategizing, thinking of ways how to become more effective at who you are. This is, where, this is where we want to be. This is where we want to hang out. In fact, this was interesting to me, the idea of focus, because I began to do some research, and, and Robert Marzano writes in a book, What Works in Schools, says U.S. mathematic textbooks address 175% as many topics as do German textbooks, and 350% as many topics as do Japanese textbooks. Let me break that down for what that means. The science textbooks used in the United States covers more than nine times as many topics as do German textbooks. And four times as many topics as do Japanese textbooks. Yet German and Japanese students significantly outperform U.S. students in mathematics and science. Do you know the issue? Focus. Focus. Instead of being singly focused, instead of saying, listen, there are some fundamental principles to mathematics, and if you can learn these principles, you can solve any equation. In the United States, we say, learn these principles. Now apply them to this. Now try to do it over here with this. Now see if you can make it work here. Now find a new way to use it here. And over there, they're saying, learn this principle. Well, what next? Learn this principle. I don't know if any of you watched The Karate Kid, but The Karate Kid, remember, he goes to Mr. Miyagi. He walks into Mr. Miyagi's dojo. He's got two signs, right? First sign says, teacher's always right. Second sign says, always refer to sign number one, right? Focus. You don't need any more information than that. Focus. Some of us lose focus. 
We, we get so caught up on all the other things of life that we miss the areas of life where God is trying to increase us and grow us because we're so scattered taking care of so many other things. The third quadrant is urgent but not important. This is what we want to avoid. It's okay to want to avoid certain things. It's okay to want to avoid certain people at certain times. Amen? Right? Urgent, but not important. Most of the time, urgent tasks and, um, are urgent for someone else. This quadrant includes all the distractions, including interruptions and meetings of other peoples that don't contribute towards your achievements or your goals. Delegate these. Delegate these. I'm a bad delegator. Why? Because I can do it better than you can. Well, well I'm going to get you to do it. I can do it better. I can do it faster. And if you do it, I'm just going to have to come behind you and do it anyway. My, my wife will say, my, my, my wife told me the other day, she said, babe, babe, don't wash your clothes. So we're different than Philip and Destiny, right? <laughs> Philip's like, babe, I'm going to wash my clothes, right? My, my wife says, babe, stop washing your clothes. Well, babe, I'm just trying to help you out. No, don't help me. Don't help me. You got the wrong stuff in here. You don't got the wrong buttons pushed. Soap's coming out of the top of this thing. Just don't help me. Let me help you. Babe, I want to do it. We have to learn to delegate. There, there are some things in our life, listen, that we don't need to do. We need to let somebody else do them for us. And that's okay. Because the truth is many of us are doing things for other people that they wouldn't want to do for themselves. There are certain areas in your life where you need to learn to delegate. And the, and the, and the last area is, is limit. It's not urgent and it's not important. Now listen, when I start to share some of these things, some of you are going to go, oh. It's not about how, how much important stuff you do if you still continue to do the unimportant things. These activities include procrastination. That's for those spontaneous people in the room who raised their hand earlier when I said, what's your plan? That's checking social media. Just read the statistics on Facebook, on how much time people spend on Facebook. It's unbelievable. How many hours of a week is wasted by people looking at social media? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying you, you need to limit those things. Watching TV. Mm. Or any other distraction, if you value your time and you want to reach your potential, then you have to ruthlessly cut these things out of your life. In fact, Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says it like this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time. Because the days are evil. Making the best use of your time. Listen, if you're going to walk in expansion, then you've got to manage your time. And that means you may need to subtract some things out of your schedule. There may be some things, listen, that are eating up your time. And you're doing them thinking, you know, well, they're the right thing to do, they're the good thing to do. But the reality is they're not the productive thing to do. And there may be some areas in your life where you need to look at your schedule and you need to say, you know what? I'd have more time if I quit doing these things. And the last thing I want to talk to you about is expanding your influence. And I'm, I'm going to be brief on this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But I, I, was, just, I was just thinking expanding your influence is, 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 is real easy. It's, it's about being intentional. If you want to increase in influence, then, then you've got to be intentional. You've you got to be intentional in your relationships. You've got you to be intentional with your family. You've got to be intentional with your, with your friends. You've got to be intentional with your community. You, if you want to increase influence, you've got to be intentional with people. 
So, so what that means is, is that they, they don't need more of you just when they have you, they need you. So, so, so eight hours of watching TV with your child is, is not as intentional as eight minutes of conversation with your child. And, and, and so, and so with, with your spouse, listen, I know she loves it when you, when you lay down in the bed at night beside her, you know, and y'all turn the TV on and you watch, you know, somebody on television, some talk show or some of your favorite recording or whatever, and you don't talk, you watch it, and then you're both exhausted, you fall asleep, there's drool, one of you wakes up in the middle of the night and turns the TV off, and you go to sleep, and you say, well, at least we spent time together. But can I just say, that's not time. That's not time. You've you got to be intentional. And, and if we can become more intentional in our relationships, listen, then we, we, they don't need more of our time. It's, it's funny how all of these things sort of interweave themselves together, that if we can begin putting these into practice in areas of our life, what we'll find is, is that all of a sudden we have more time than we thought we had. We're able to do more things than we thought we could do. We find more money than we knew we could find. And it's not because we worked harder. It's because we became smarter about the things that God has given us. In, in, in fact, just to kind of close out, John the Baptist, John the Baptist is on the scene in, in, in the book of John early on, and he's baptizing people. In fact, he's growing one of the fastest churches in, in, in the world at that time. He's, he's, he's baptizing person after person after person. Hundreds of people are coming to him of all walks of life. He's influential in every aspect. He's got the ears of the king. He's got the ears of the prophet. He's got the ears of the Pharisees. He's got the ears of the common person. John the Baptist is doing the deal. He's building disciples. He's got his posse and his crew all around him. Folks is cheering. John comes walking through, and everybody knows John. They're like, John, that's John the Baptist. John, hey, how you doing, man? I love you, brother, right? John is doing the deal. He's increasing and increasing and increasing and increasing, and he's constantly letting out his tent. But he wasn't letting it out for his glory, and he wasn't letting it out for his future. He was letting it out for the one who was to come. In fact, he said it over and over and over again. The one who was to come after me, I'm not even worthy of washing his feet or tying the soles, tying the sandals on his feet. He says, there's one coming, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. And so Jesus shows up on the scene, and he says, behold, the Lamb of God. There he is. He's come. He's here. The Bible says that he baptized him. He sees the dove ascend on him. And, and then a few chapters later, it's interesting. John's back doing what John's always been doing. He's baptizing folk, but all of a sudden, the crowds are smaller. All of a sudden, the, the really important people aren't hanging out around the pool where John's doing the baptisms anymore. Now they're hanging out on the other side over there because there's a man named Jesus, and Jesus is over there baptizing people, and, and more and more people are going to see Jesus, and less and less people are coming to see John. And John's disciples, John's protégés, John's, John's little, little minions, and, 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 and all of his people that have been around him, his, his staff, his church staff, if you will, they come to John and they say, John! This Jesus that you baptized, man, he's over on the other side baptizing people. And more people are going over there to get baptized and coming over here. Man, you need to do something about this. But they didn't understand. They didn't understand that, that from the very beginning, John knew that addition would come by subtraction. And so John says these words. He says, I must decrease that he might increase. Can I just say to you tonight, there may be some areas in your life where you need to decrease so that he can increase. There may be some areas in your life tonight where you need 
You need some subtraction so that you can, so that you can discover addition. The world will tell you that you need more. But we serve a God who took nothing and turned it into something. So we don't impress God with all the things that we can accumulate and all the things that we can gather. Rather that be physical, mental, spiritual, or emotional. God's not impressed if our box is bigger than everybody else's box. Because God's not looking for a place that's already filled up so that he can expand it. God's looking for a place where there is room for him to bring expansion. So God says, let out the tent. Let out the tent. But you know what? Clean it out too. Clean it out too. Get a little bit of that stuff out of there. Make a little room. Make a little room. God may say to you, listen tonight. God may say, why don't you make a little room in your finances? That may mean that you might have to cut off a Netflix. Seriously. God may say, make a little room. Just, I just need a little space. I don't need a lot. I'm not asking for all of it. I'm not telling you to bring your paycheck down to the church and just sign the back of it and hand it over and say, God told me to make room. God said, I just need a little space. Let out your tent. Listen, with some of you, with your time, God may be saying, hey, listen, there's, there's something in your life, and man, I, I know you enjoy it, I know you like it, but every now and then you need to, you need to just leave it. You let me do something with that space. Just give me some room. Just give me some room and watch what I can do. I believe that God wants to bring expansion in your life. I believe that God wants to bring increase, but it's not going to come the way of the world. It's going to come the way of the kingdom. And I must decrease that he may increase. Man, some of your kids, they just want five minutes. I got a three-year-old. He wears me out. I come home, and he, he's running from the time I walk in the door to the time he lays down at night. He's just running. And he'll come to me. I'll sit down. I'll finally get comfortable. Guys, you know that position, right? You're in it. You're there. You've eaten. It's, it's real. It's real. It's the closest thing to heaven you'll ever know. You just, you're there. He'll come running. He'll come running into the room, and he'll grab my little fingers, and he'll say, Daddy, come play, Daddy. Daddy, come play. And he's 65-pound, three-year-old. I mean, he'll snatch you right out of that comfortable place. <laughs> Daddy, come play. But you know what my flesh says? My flesh says, you need this rest. You need this time. You're weary. You know what? It'd be better for you to be rested so that you can be what he needs you to be later. But you know what? He wants my weariness. He don't care if I come in fully engaged and fully alive and fully energetic. He just wants me there. Last night, he, he come, Daddy, play. Daddy, play. I got up. We have some Star Wars swords. Don't judge. They're cool ones, too. Look like lightsabers. They make noise whenever you, when you hit them, they go, we have a blue one and a red one. We had a 30-minute sword fight in the living room. My mama spent 30 minutes going, don't hit the light, don't hit that, don't hit, don't hit that. She's moving stuff out of the way. 30 minutes. I knew he was done when I killed him. 
That's how, that's how you, he went, and just fell on the ground. He was done. Sometimes we have to subtract from what we want, what we desire, and what we think so that we can add to what we need and honestly what they need and what God wants. And I, I believe that for some of you, this, this can be a breakthrough if you get this. This be life-changing, life-altering. I believe you could walk differently tomorrow than you walk today. Some, listen, some of you are carrying loads so heavy, and God said, why are you carrying that? Just, just subtract it. Just subtract it. Oh, but God, it, what, what, what would I do without it? God says, it's not about what you'll do without it. It's what I'll do when you don't have it. Let me move. Give me space. Would you just stand to your feet all over this auditorium? I'm not going to call you down. I told you that. But, but maybe tonight God just spoke to your heart. Maybe God's doing something in your life. Maybe you came tonight and you're carrying a burden. Maybe you're carrying a problem. Maybe you've been holding on to something. And God says tonight, listen, listen, my, my, yoke, is, my yoke is light. He, he, says, he, says, he says, don't carry that anymore. Subtract it. Subtract it. Find your rest in me. Let it go. Give me some room, just a little space. I don't need a lot. Just give me something that I can work within, and I'll do exceedingly and abundantly more than you can think or imagine with less, with less than you could ever have done. Tonight, God wants to release you from that. God wants to pull some things off of you tonight. Father, tonight, I, God, I pray for every person in this room. God, all of us in a different place in life, all of us in a different circumstance, but all of us with the same needs, God. God, we want to expand. We want to increase. We want to become more. But God, honestly, when we look at our calendar, we don't see the space. When we look at our finances, we don't see the budget. God, when we look at our influence, we don't see the opportunities. And Father, before we would wear ourselves out trying to increase in those areas of life through our own efforts. God, I pray that tonight we would understand. God, that your efforts supersede our efforts. God, your abilities far outweigh our abilities. And that tonight, God, we can simply come to a place of subtraction. God, we can decrease tonight so that you might increase. So, Father, tonight we come with surrendered hearts, surrendered minds, with open hands. And, God, we say everything that we have, everything that's been added to our life, God, we, we recognize has come from you. And so, God, we give you control. We choose, God, from this moment to be intentional that our influence might increase with our family, our friends, and our coworkers. God, tonight... We choose to be focused. Father, not looking to the left or to the right or, God, to all of the problems that are in the world, but, God, looking to the provider, the one who brings provision, the one who gives hope, the one who restores life. God, instead of focusing on the problems, we focus on the promise tonight, God. So, God, we subtract the problems, and, God, we thank you for the addition of the promise. Father, tonight, God, I pray that, Father, the thing that we often cherish the most, second to you and perhaps second to our family, God, our finances. 
God, that we would look for areas of increase. By God, the things that we can subtract that are unnecessary. Father, perhaps even unused. God, that we might continue to grow the kingdom. And God, we thank you. God, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, for your love and your mercy. God, we pray that through these stages of life, God, that we would bring you glory. God, that we would encourage one another on, that we would not stop doing what is right. Because, God, we know that in, in due season we'll reap a harvest. Father, would you bless every person? God, would you use them, Father, to increase your kingdom for your glory? And, God, would you bless the food that's been prepared tonight for us as we leave this place? And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen, amen. Listen. Here at North Point Community Church, we believe in creating Christ-centered, culture-changing community through the message of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your support. If you would like more information, you can visit our website at ncc.team or follow us on any social media platform at CC North Point.